Welcome to Risk Roundup. Technology has always played an essential role in human work, progress, and advancement. From the very first stone axe to the artificial intelligence-driven robots that we see today, technology has advanced with years, and so have we, the humans. Now, with the advances in technology, machines that were increasingly working alongside humans or for humans have come a long way and have started working on their own. Thus, the way we, the humans, live and do things is changing fundamentally. Artificial intelligence-driven automation has begun to transform entities across nations, its government, industries, organizations, and academia, in short, referred to as NGIOA. However, the real question is whether we, the humans today, are ready and prepared for the fundamental transformation brought on by artificial intelligence, in short, referred to as AI, and whether the fundamental transformation makes social and economic sense. Now, when we evaluate AI-based robots, we are already witnessing companion robots for elderly care, service robots for personal and domestic use, and so many more other categories that are on the way that are driving the fundamental transformation. Now, while there are reports that have shown that robots can have a very positive impact on elderly care, there are also many reports that forecast large number of human jobs becoming obsolete. Now, even as some studies are already underway to understand the effects of artificial intelligence on human society in general, its effects on the economy, industries, businesses, security, war, and peace needs to be properly evaluated. Now, to discuss this further, I'm delighted to welcome Joanne Pransky. Joanne is identified as world's first robotic psychiatrist and is a robotics industry ambassador. Welcome, jo Joanne. We are delighted to have you on Risk Roundup. Thank you so much for having me, Jaytree. Wonderful, Joanne. So, Joanne, as we, the humans, aim for broader capabilities that are way beyond our intelligence and capabilities, the rapid rise of robots and artificial intelligence will undoubtedly create complex societal implications that will likely be beyond our capabilities to manage if we are not prepared. Now, well, there are many public and private initiatives and entities that have gotten into AI and robotics arm race. There is very little effort to understand the implications we, the humans, will face in the coming years. This is a cause of great concern. Do you think we are informed and prepared about the impact robotics, AI, or machine intelligence could have on our very survival? So I think that the future is widely unknown, and there are a couple of things that we have to understand. Number one, the rate that technology is increasing and the future of AI and robotics, in my eyes, is inevitable. And as you've mentioned, we can either use it to our benefit and to have it more positive in our lives, or we can use it as humans negatively and to a detriment. And that's why I like to focus on, it's not the robot so much that I'm concerned about, it's more about the human users. So in my industry, it's ROS, Robot Operating System, and I'm trying to get people to focus on the human operating system, or HOS, because it's up to each individual or group or company, but it's always comprised of a human to ensure that they have the proper morals and ethics before we go forward using technology. The second thing I think that's important is that awareness leads to acceptance. And that's a little bit more of what I try to do. So the more we in the world are prepared by seeing what exists, what robotics and I can do, and what they can't do, is a way for us to experience the going forward. And in that regard, I believe awareness leads to the acceptance, which, as I mentioned, is, is no longer science fiction. Yes. And um, the third thing I think that's um, really important. Okay, let me go back here. I am so sorry. I'm having trouble with my words today. Um, 
Okay, the third thing that's very important is it's not about robots versus humans. It's about us collaborating and cooperating with technology. It's not them versus us. It's, it's this new evolution in which we get to improve ourselves physically and in our lives by using technology. So in other words, we're completely dependent upon computers. And now we're going to be completely dependent upon other related technologies, sensing and vision that, that all go to make our lives and aid our lives in a beneficial way. So for example, if there is a implant, a brain implant out there that prevents me from getting Alzheimer's or Parkinson's disease or any other disease, I would love to prolong my life and to avoid those. Who wouldn't? So technology is, is no, no question about it when it's used to save our lives, but then technology gets used in many other areas. So maybe instead of just boosting my memory, maybe I will use this to um, negatively um, don a headset in which um, I do nothing but link into porn in another country or something. So again, I think it's, I think the goal is though that this is something we need to embrace because there's no, there's no choice. There's no going back. And we need to, again, focus on what it means to be human so that our interaction with machines, our new children, as if robot children, they're going to be communicating and learning from us. Yes. Regardless. Their, their programming is to some point, but they're going to be learning from us. They're going to be learning from the Internet of Things or as one scientist refers to it as the robot of things. And this will allow a robot to learn surgery on a battlefield from another robot in the cloud. But at the same time, they will be interacting with us humans on a day-to-day -day basis. And I think, I think it's very important that we focus not on just artificial intelligence, but social and emotional intelligence as well the street smarts, the common sense. Yes, that is very true, Joanne. And the, you made a very interesting point about the human operating system and the coexistence that is what we are looking at, that humans and robots, we all live together. And then we are, as you said, we are getting dependent on computers and artificial intelligence. So it is, it, it is so much necessary and it is so much uh, required that we understand what those dependencies are going to create what kind of challenges they are going to create what kind of advantages they will bring to us and we get prepared acceptance is like you said you know it's the first step and we have to accept that these changes are coming our way and we need to be prepared so that we can minimize the negative impacts that could arise from the technological advances and one of that you know challenge and uh, that we all are going to face in the coming years is going to be about jobs because artificial that is non-human or machine intelligence it uh, describes computer systems that perform tasks traditionally requiring human intelligence and perception so now the artificial intelligence machine intelligence can do a lot of the tasks that human intelligence and perceptions are able to do. But and as in the wake of recent technological advances in computer vision, speech, and action, and gesture recognition, and robotics, there is a growing concern that artificial intelligence technologies may permanently displace human workers, robotize warfare, and make mass surveillance techniques so much easier to develop and deploy. So this very fact that there is a possibility of permanent displacement of human workers. That is a cause of great concern because where will the humans go when those jobs are not available anymore? At this point also, when we don't have artificial intelligence, you know, at a very wide scale, you know, adopted or, you know, implemented, we still have challenges with the jobs. Not everyone is able to find jobs. Unemployment is a growing concern in so many different countries. So now when we have the possibility that more people will be unemployed, that is a cause of great concern. Well, first we have to remember that, as you said, when it comes to jobs, you're talking about functions. And machines and technology, robotics, have always increased productivity.
they replace functions but not jobs so the second thing i think is important is we read headlines robots replace jobs which i believe is very very inaccurate um like i said robots have always in technology automation has always increased productivity and I mean, there have always been more jobs created and, and lost, and we have to stop thinking in terms of the jobs because we as humans need to, there is going to be displacement. I don't think there is replacement. So I think there's displacement and we need to prepare ourselves and retrain, but we always have. I mean, there, there are no more cigarette girls or elevator button pushers or milkmen or even even who, who writes anymore, you know, doing a document, what secretary writes with the documents. When, this, when the computer came out, PC was first used in the early 80s, I think a secretary had the same concern. I'm going to be replaced. He doesn't need me or she doesn't need me anymore. When in actuality, there became about 13 new secretarial job classifications from receptionist to database manager to word processor so that's the sort of thing we have to look at and we also have to remember that um, again this doesn't happen overnight I mean with with autonomous vehicles even today in the newspaper there was there was a headline that there's going to be an autonomous truck being able to deliver so today it's not like you wake up and there are no more truck drivers but slowly and yes the, this may create newer jobs for example we have to look at downstreaming so when i say increase of productivity what what i mean is that the initial job perhaps of driving a truck may at some point no longer be a, be, be a job to have but down the road there's there are so many more functions for a human to do um, there's going to be an increase in in autonomous vehicle parts and distribution and and support and tech service and and about 50 percent more that we don't jobs we don't even know if you want to look at it as jobs i mean i who would have ever predicted just a couple of years ago within a year there'd be like a, a, a yoast seo specialist or blackberry or raspberry pi engineer i mean these things are happening very quickly including perhaps even the future for for robotic psychiatrists so i look at it all as productivity i don't look at it as as jobs uh and what's going to happen to us i mean we all need to continually train ourselves and retrain ourselves in technology every day even if it's not as a daily exercise but there's no end to technology it's ongoing once we finish a project we just it, it's not a matter of technology's never finished it's just at the next stage and even with our iphones well fine we finally learn our latest version on the iphone and then two months later we have to learn and download the new version and and see how that affected us so it's an ongoing basis and i don't think it's like you wake up and then everyone's unemployed i think it's about productivity to which machines and automation don't need to reap the benefits so i think things could get you know economically better for the world the other thing is with with the internet and the future of virtual reality and and, and holograms and artificial um you know, virtual reality that you could be in a third world country and be able to even now, for example, maybe take an online class from a free class at Stanford if it's offered. So we're going to increase the indirect learning in education. But yes, there is going to be some some changes in our economy. But we've always I mean, I think I think whether it was farming, you know, to which 50% of the population were farmers, now that's less than 5%, uh, to, to the horse and buggy, to the autumn, I mean, look at the automotive. It would be like if I was to say in, in you know, decades and decades ago, well, I'm, I'm in a factory and I'm, I'm manually putting cars together and then, then automation comes in, what, I'm going to be out of a job. But yet the economy is going to improve because you're going to have automation that makes things faster and with improved quality and at a much better rate than a human doing it. And that's what I think we have to remember when it comes to humans, that robotics and automation are there to do some task or function a human 
doesn't want to do or isn't able to do it as well as automation. We call those dangerous, dull, or dirty tasks. No, so that, I, that's a fair point. I, I see your point there that, you know, it is not just uh, that the jobs will be lost. There will be a lot of jobs that will be created. That is uh, welcoming. And we have seen that with every industrial revolution, new jobs, new kind of uh, requirements, positions have been created. But the challenge is that humans by nature are not very good with managing change. We don't have the systems across nations that are set up for this kind of change management to have rapid you know training and retraining programs or you know to give that kind of assistance to humans that okay today these skills are not required and to, these skills are necessary uh, are available these kind of skills at jobs and uh, are available so let's train you quickly so that you can you know quickly move on first it's not within human nature to go through that kind of quick changes with iPhones and all that yes people go through that but when it comes to training and uh, preparing themselves for new kind of roles, humans are still not, you know, very uh, quickly able to adapt with these kind of changes. And that is the reality. So we'll have to work on those human systems that we have put together, the infrastructure that we have, that uh, the way we do things, the way we educate, uh, we, uh, everything needs to be probably fundamentally changed to uh, make room for these kind of uh, changes and transformation that are coming our way because we are seeing that robots have started replacing workers on the factory floor and Amazon is using robots uh, to move around uh, the goods in their warehouses and uh, that that has already you know displaced a lot of employees now it's not that just the blue collar jobs are going the AI revolution is also doing to white collar jobs uh, what robotics is doing to you know blue collar jobs lawyers now use smart programs instead of assistants to research case law and even magazines like Forbes they're using AI program called narrative science rather than reporters to write stories about corporate profits so there are a lot of changes coming and uh, uh, so a lot of people are concerned that the robots are not replacing human jobs yet, but they are just displacing. And uh, like you said, there are a lot of different jobs are available. But at the same time, we have to look at what happens to overall the broader society when robots replace worker. What will happen? What will be the goal of humans every day when they wake up? What would be that incentive? What would be the desire to wake up and that, okay, I want this. I have to, you know, achieve this goal. So let me wake up and let me get really excited about it, inspired about it. So I can go ahead and, you know, do those things. What would be this purpose? I think the society, a large portion of society will have challenges with the purpose, the human existence. Yes, and, and a lot of it is, as you mentioned, fear. So in other words, in the 30s, there were the same fears that exist today about technology. But I, again, I, I don't see robotics, automation, and AI as replacing human workers. I, I see it as a collaboration process in which automation can do a part of my daily routine in which allows me to do give me more time to do what I want to do. And so you see that in automation. It's not that it, re it replaces, even at, at Amazon. I mean, the workers now, instead of, you know, lifting heavy things with their, with their arms and transporting and not being able to get, get products out, um, they're, they're the same that now can be free to work with the robot to, to whether it's to, you know, program the robot or make sure things are running smoothly. I mean, look at, I mean, we can get things like soon by drone in an hour, you know, <laughs> by Amazon. So, and then goods, the cost of goods come down, and which gives more money in the economy. But I, I think that there, and, and I, there are several, several things. And number one is, and I, and I just had the pleasure of inter interviewing um, for, for Industrial Robot Journal, uh, Gianmarco Berugio. And he, he coined the word roboethics, and he's a scientist. And I asked him what, what should engineers be doing to, to prepare, best prepare the world for, for the future of robotics. And he said that it was important to focus on the philosophy of science and history and not just the linear, you know, math and science courses, because that creativity and critical thinking is what separates us from, from 
machines. And even in, and when you mentioned lawyers, again, we all use these as a tool. So I, I don't know if you've seen the recent IBM Watson featured on 60 Minutes, but, but IBM Watson is able to, um, in seconds, if not minutes, go through millions and millions of online papers that are published every day that no human can keep up with to help try to come up with an individualized cancer therapy. So we use tools, even, even as a lawyer, I mean, we, we use the data, right? We can't process as much as well as a machine can. That's why we have a computer, right? Instead of trying to do Excel spreadsheet, you know, spreadsheets manually or whatever. So even, even a lawyer can use the data it's derive maybe to to help a, a brand new precedent or a new case so I think that um, hopefully we will be able to to make this transition but I, I think two skills that are valuable in the future is is understanding face-to-face -face human communication and I and I've joked that a job of the future is you know wanted 40 hours of human face-to-face time because even though we're we have all these indirect including fabulous telepresence robotic systems or devices that allow us to work from home and meet with a mobile robot um, I think that understanding that and and having the creativity and collaboration that comes between humans in a face-to-face situation where, where you have this is is very unique and I think that's hopefully maybe if, if automation and robotics are doing all my work maybe I can model the work I don't want to do maybe I can have more time for the one-to-one -one communication and there's an excellent book by Sherry Turkle and it's called Reclaiming Conversation and and it, it is just a must read for understanding the, the sociological and psychological impacts of, of, yes. of the future uses of, of computers and robotics. Yes, no, that, that, that definitely would be a good read. And uh, you made a good point that uh, we all have to prepare ourselves. And like you said, you know, the IBM Watson, it would play an important role in the diagnostic and use it like, you know, you just suggested, uh, identify the personalized cancer, you know, diagnosis or how to treat that. that, that Again, we are going to probably cover that uh, topic in our coming roundups, and it's going to be very interesting to discuss. I mean, it is going to be controversial about how that approach of personalized medicine or personalized identification uh, based on uh, the research part, I get that, that it, it's very useful to have artificial intelligence scan all these research documents very quickly, which we don't, human don't have capability, but the personalized uh, uh, cancer treatment and all that, uh, I would love to, you know, talk about that in the coming episode. But that, again, you know, based advances like that and also longevity medicine, life extension, and augmentation of human performance is expected to become face of the global culture in the coming years because of these so many advances are happening, not just in AI and machine learning, but also in uh, all across in genomics and a lot of other sectors. Uh, so the questions like whether common citizens will have the right to, for example, enhance their memory or augment their intelligence or maximize their pleasure or even change their physical forms on demand will come to the forefront and likely become a human rights issue. Because at this point, probably when it all these advances are available, it will go to the, you know, sec uh, people or humans that have the resources that are able to afford that. Then uh, there are a lot of going to be issues about the imbalances. If let's say, you know, people with resources, their children have the ability to have the additional intelligence chips implanted into them and they are getting the best grades because of that because they have that intelligence extra intelligence available to them whereas other students who are coming from common families that they have not been able to afford they won't be able to have that so how are we going to level that playing field so there are a lot of ethical moral and other questions that come into play so the question is how are we how are we as nations going to deal with this 
Well, those are those are some very challenging points, and the hope is is that all of humanity can benefit, particularly if we we don't robots and automation and and whatever the new sciences don't need to personally reap the benefits. So the goal is that with with technology we can spread it around the world, including the wealth. But you you've brought up some very interesting questions and 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 issues, particularly when it comes to social change and policy around the world and in, in this country as well. So uh, right now, and again, I, I can't speak for the other countries in the world, but they tend to, uh, Asia and Europe tend to embrace technology a little bit more than in the US um, in terms of change. But, but here in the US, there are some organizations already that are being uh, established to address these issues. And hopefully they would have a good interaction and interface with the government. One of them is what Elon Musk started, the Future of Life Institute, um, which is about safeguarding life and developing optimistic visions of the future, positive ways for humanity, you know, considering new technologies and challenges. The other one is responsiblerobotics.org, which just formulated to use robotics responsibly. In other words, should, should an autonomous uh, robot on the field be allowed to kill a human? And this organization thinks thinks no um, but but when it comes to advancing our bodies and our life and in I mean it's almost like it, you know there's some things we're all allowed to have and there's some things not right so it's not all of us can afford if we need a medical drug that's 200,000 a month but on the other hand if we can impact um, in, in the state, say, say Medicare, it's going to be a lot less expensive to have an exoskeleton or a prosthetic arm than it might be for me to be in a hospital or for me to pay for a human aid and worker to come to my home. And I, and I, I think that that is a benefit of technology and, and one that makes certain economic sense, even though I'm, I'm certainly not, not an expert in any of uh, economics or, or anything. But, but I, I see that that would be, you know, these are things we just have to keep our, be a lot more open-minded um, when it comes to, to um, I think, how, how to, to make it work. And, and like I said, I, I, I always default personally to, to automation. And I think that's where you're going to see, I mean, in, in Asia, robots, as you mentioned, are social robots because they have a need to, they don't have enough humans to care for the elderly. And there was just recently another article that has social robots to fill the void of loneliness in Asia where, where, you know, like a large percent of the population is just, just one or two people. And I've always thought that, that even 30 years ago when I come up with robotic psychiatry, I thought the number one use of robots in the future would be to cure loneliness. This is, this is inevitable. Um, so, it, it, you know, getting back to how everyone can benefit, well, you have third world countries now that have internet, right? I mean, so who would have thought when we, if we had this discussion 20 years ago or 30 years ago that, but, but it becomes pervasive and, and certain things happen. I mean, they may not, unfortunately, we still have to remember, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs and that we as humans, as long as we're human, and that's going to be a question of the future, um, you know, we need to survive. We need food and water. But I, I, I think that, like, it'll be less expensive to have a 3D printer to print my food and to also print housing in Africa. You know, with robotics, just doing a final assembly and a 3D printer printing the pieces yes. make it very inexpensive. Yes, yes. But definitely, it, uh, there is a cost benefit to that. And there is all people would say that it's going to cut so much cost, it will increase productivity. All those uh, benefits are there. There is no doubt about that. So it makes economic sense from one uh, if you look at it from one perspective. But at the same time, right, because this is a new technology there is a loss lots and lots of research and development that needs to be done so there is a lot of investment that is also necessary that we need to pour in a lot of money to be able to uh, have these advances so initially for in the coming years maybe we won't have that much economic impact 
but as we grow further there is going to be a huge economic uh, benefit because of this technological advances we are seeing and uh, is the challenges are mainly social overall we when we as we go forward we will see a lot of uh, positive economic benefits but the social impact is the one that we have to be concerned about because this impact of robotics technology is very difficult to envisage and as nations we have welcome technology with each industrial revolution but this revolution is very different as it starts eliminating the role of humans because if you look at agriculture when the tractor came for a farm laborer it was a very welcoming change but that tractor it was assisting the farm you know laborer to uh, do things in a speedy manner and uh, they won't get tired they will be able to do more stuff because of the speed of the tractor and because of the advantages it brings but that is different now because the human it has is out of the picture there are going to be self driving tractors so the humans are won't be necessary the farm laborers won't be necessary and there is lot of investment happening in the ag bots if we just talk about that uh, specifically if you just take example of uk they are investing millions of dollars in agri tech uh, ag bots and uh, ad ad artificial intelligence based advances in the agriculture sector and if you look at uh, india there is already so many farmers are committing suicides because of that and uh, because of the advances because they are not able to keep up they are not able to keep up with the automation based industry it is rapidly changing so for them they are becoming obsolete and lot of them are not able to again the you know as a nation lot of nations are not able to provide that supporting structure that supporting system that helps them get through these difficult times and welcome this change and you know advance on that a lot of nations are not able to do that so it again becomes a change management issue and humans are suffering so lot of we see similar lot of automation processes in manufacturing industry services industry so the impact of robots on society directly and indirectly is very very severe so we have to evaluate which robots are going to be welcoming to humans as a society and which ones are not going to be from your assessment which sectors and industries should welcome the robots that are coming their way and that would benefit the their employees their staff and their resources and which ones really need to be careful at this point and start preparing that these changes that's coming to our industry are going to be very very severe and we need to start preparing our human resources for these changes well i i think in general that robotics again in general in automation benefits all industries if used properly it is obviously a, a terrible shame that in some countries india that that there was suicide over over a loss of job and yes these are issues that what what you're doing is very helpful to the world uh by running risk round up and 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 all these organizations and that it's just but it it's not okay also to be you know murdering people in the world either so there are things that we deem as good and bad but when it when it comes to but i i i'm hoping that that's more and more the exception than the overall other side in which in other words in 1900 as i mentioned 50% of the us population was farming and one farmer fed about 2.5 persons and today less than 5% of the population is in farming but thanks to automation one farmer can feed 155 people so again we have to recognize that in all industries for example even when you say the factory floor where well a a, a if a, if a robotic uh, vehicle or or, or um um 
automation helps a worker not having to carry things and extends his life on the job because he's not going to have to take workman's compensation anymore because he's been carrying such heavy loads, which are not humans not meant to do, then that not only improves the longevity of, of that person, but also the, the company benefits, the whole productivity benefits as a whole. And I think that we always need to look at two sides and I think that your awareness of, of um, as you mentioned displacement initially so that that farmer yes it is very sad that he wasn't put on the productivity of the downstream either as a management consultant for what automation should do or as a as a, as a trainer for uh, new engineers on what the automation should do because no one knows better than he the manual process so and, and in companies in america you know it's really a misnomer that people are displaced on the factory floor it's it's they just become they, they typically don't become displaced they i mean they don't become they don't leave the company they're usually put on to something else that can be that that's needed to be done in, in a company and hopefully it's something that's less less uh, as rigorous as the farmer that has to do all the farming and, and put everything on his back and manually make the same same production so I, I do think it is about retraining and I do think that I mean that it would be up to I mean farming is a very independent uh, operation and entrepreneurship and again you get into into the benefits of technology that allows uh, like micro businesses around the world for all of us to support I mean that that's another benefit that we didn't see so so for that farmer I mean that would have been a great if someone could only say hey let's get this guy a micro business and see how we can help the rest of the country maybe we can pay him to train what automation should do or work for the robot manufacturer um, and so you know there are two sides I mean so it, it's not an easy an easy issue but I I do want to reinforce that I think we have to remember how much automation helps us all. We are all dependent on computers, every single one of us. Um, and I, I don't know, um, I'm imagining that third world countries even, they have a cell phone, they may not have clothes, but they may, I mean, I, I don't know this for sure, but we all we all are dependent and yet we, know, we never feel like, oh, a computer's replacing my, my job, like in the movie 2001 Space Odyssey when that came out in, in the 60s, I think we all kind of sat back with those of us who saw it at that time and said, oh my God, a computer's going to replace my job. You know, they're going to take over the world and they're going to kill us all. And, and that's, that's not happening. You can see that we have interacted and dependent and interdependency. Yeah. And I mean, how many of us can just put, not have any device or any computerization for a day that would be very difficult and so that's just going to increase and the benefits to us will hopefully increase as well yes now definitely the benefits are going to increase and we are welcoming technology advances the progress and development is necessary but at the same time we collectively as NGIWA decision makers means government, industries, organizations, academia, everyone involved, the decision makers, they need to prepare for these coming advances that what needs to change, what kind of frameworks we need to put in place, what kind of organizations we need to put in place, what kind of systems we need, what kind of technologies, tools, and processes will be necessary so that we can quickly adapt to these changes and we can have a smooth transition. We can help the ones that need help. What kind of uh, healthcare you know, ch changes would be necessary? What kind of disability changes, pension benefits, unemployment, all, and what basic income guarantee we would need to provide to the humans, employees that are being displaced. So there are a lot of this simultaneous parallel developments need to happen that we don't see across nations. The decision makers, they're, they're not even you know thinking about it. And it's not that the impact has not begun, the impact has already begun, but these parallel changes that we need to have that system development and the infrastructure development and the process and framework, none of that is seen right now. And that is a cause of concern because we need to have parallel growth and advances in each of these sectors. We cannot do it after 50 years or 100 years after a lot of humans have suffered and a lot of human suffering is there. I mean, we are seeing mass migrations from Syria right now because of the terrorism. 
just imagine, you know, when industries on a large scale have started getting impacted, nations have started getting impacted, and this large scale, large amount of jobs will be lost. People, what would they do? Their mass migrations would happen from a lot of different nations. So unless we prepare and put together structures, because what happens in one country is no longer that country's problem. It happens, it impacts pretty much all countries. So unless we collectively come up with you know, effective solutions, there are going to be a lot of challenges. So we have to see what kind of structures we put together and so that we can make it easy for the employees or humans or citizens of different nations. So there is this growing concern. I mean, this right now people are saying that we are at artificial narrow intelligence and we still have to reach the artificial uh, uh, general intelligence and then of course you know artificial super intelligence I mean there are controversial reports about it that we haven't reached artificial general intelligence yet so we won't go into the debate but there is a concern that when we reach the artificial general intelligence where the computers or robots artificial intelligence are able to do pretty much what you know humans do those at that stage we would have to prepare ourselves with such huge you know changes that are coming our way so there are the question is how do we we the humans prepare for their changes and what are the consequences of it if we cannot if the decision makers cannot work together if we look at this reality of the nations is that the political ideology has become outdated political institutions have become outdated the governance models and management models and business and technology models are quickly getting outdated everything has to be redesigned to make it effective and we are not able to you know work together there is so much divide across nations if you talk about america there is such a huge divide there are you hardly see people talking about the issues. They're talking about irrelevant things, you know, that doesn't matter to the humanity or human society. So how do we prepare for this? And if we cannot work together, how are we going to face the consequences? These are every single question you asked, I, I wish you had an answer for. And in my own way, this is what I've been thinking about for 40 years. And I, I determined when I came up with robotic psychiatry, it would be a, a humorous hook to get people to think about the future and how it would change society and how it would change us without sort of really touting the negative or, or freaking people out. So these are very, very strong issues that I've been grappling with for, forever. And I don't think we have answers or specific answers and i think you brought up like processes is number one uh thinking globally is is number two and yet i i still think that because of all this being inevitable that we have to come away from try to hone in on our fears and the definition of ai and agi and robotics and not focus so much on the terminology but focus on perhaps the specific benefits. So if I think, for example, that empathy and sympathy are key to being human and to remaining human, whether they're instincts, whether some of us don't have them due to an upbringing or due to, due to something in our brains, I look forward to, say, a virtual reality in which um, maybe I can don a headset and unfortunately learn about say the horrible war of, of world war ii what, what it might be like to actually feel and be in a concentration camp so that i can we can teach students who have no idea of anything like that so that may increase the world that technology may be used to increase the world's response to human and sympathy to be able to to like I said, to, to don an augmented reality headset of, of someone coming over on a ship and, 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 and trying to migrate and, and a horrible, the horrible things, you know, children starving and that, if it's used properly again, again, we're coming back to that, you know, human operating system, then maybe that would help us in the human empathy and sympathy and then which would lead to, to worldwide policy. Yeah. But I, I still think, see, that the humans, 
humans are capable of greed and power, which is why we have, obviously there's another side to us humans, right? So I'm hoping that, that as I get older, that, that uh, I don't have to waste so much time on the negativity, right? I think it's wonderful that we can fall in love and that we can grieve. And I really don't think machines uh, will be able to, they'll be able to uh, simulate our similar response because we want them to, we want our robots to think that they're lonely when we leave them. But you know, we're kind of merging together. So I don't have to, maybe I don't have to grieve to the depth that I have to grieve or feel sadness to the, to the amount that I feel sadness if there was some way to, to improve that. And, and even now, but you know, we, we use emoticons, we use videos to show our emotions. So you can see it's not just the technology versus us, it's us re-communicating. It's okay if I, if I, verbally tell you know siri uh btw comma exclamation point risk roundup exclamation point new paragraph <laughs> this is this is how we speak and then at the end i don't tell you how i'm feeling for the day i choose a symbol of my emotion so you can see that we are becoming we're merging with the technology and I also think that it's for future generations, though. I think there is um, a very possible dangerous side in that if they don't have a basis of what reality is, if their future, like the current generation, I mean, they, they know what an iPhone you know, an iPhone is just part of their, their reality, and, and as is everything else. But imagine that the, the upcoming generations are brand new, you know, soon to come, is that they don't know the difference between reality and virtual reality because their whole life is non-reality. If they, they can have the best professors come to them at their, with, with, a, with a headset or, or they can have, um, if they want to learn about, Paris, they can engross themselves, immerse themselves as if they're as if they're at the Eiffel Tower. So these are all wonderful benefits of technology. The same with medicine. If they want to learn biology, they can they can they can have a three D human in front of them and actually actually you know choose a you know work on the heart or work on the back or something. So, but then again. What is their reality going to be? What is the, if they take their headsets off or not? And is that, what is their day-to-day going to be like? And that's where I like to say to parents to, to read uh, Reclaiming Conversation, to understand what it is to really be human and what it is we need. It's not necessarily that chip to make us be able to think at a rapid rate and process information, if we have machines to do that, it's, I think it's more important to understand the human to human communication and what it is to collaborate and what it is to create and with a human that makes us very unique. Exactly. So none of, none of what you've brought up, I mean, they're all brilliant topics and unfortunately there, there aren't great answers and we just got to keep on doing what we're doing and, and you're showing your risk roundup to the world and, and keep, keep discussing these ideas and, and hope that more organizations and more, more countries um, take these on. That is the hope. That is the hope that, you know, we create that awareness and we provide that education uh, because of the decision, I mean, the key decision makers that are coming on risk round of guests like you who are coming, you know, with a lot of wisdom, a lot of information, a lot of intelligence and uh, strategic knowledge that they have that what, is necessary for us to prepare for these imminent changes that are coming our way as a society and that's the hope of risk roundup Let, let's talk about ethical issues that could arise for us humans as we interact with robots what do you see what kind of uh, ethical issues or risk or challenges we should be prepared for because if you see the laws of robotics i'm not sure if all the scientists that are working in ai right now or the organizations more than scientists that the organizations their goal is to follow the law of robotics because the laws of robotics it says that a robot may not harm a human being a robot must obey the orders given by humans and a robot must protect its own existence uh, so it, it becomes very controversial when we see that robots are being designed for the warfare so that humans don't have to go in the battlefield 
and wherever there is war happening or iraq or afghanistan or any other place in the world that the robot we can send robots instead of humans but that itself you know brings the fundamental challenges here ethical issues that on one side we are designing robots to not harm human beings and here the robots we are sending to kill human beings because not all nations are advanced at a stage where they will also have robots and we will also have robots we stand i mean the nations will send robots to fight with each other's robots that uh, i think is still a long way to go when uh, all the nations are that uh, technologically advanced that they all will have ai based robots that will go on the battlefield to fight for their nation and again what is the collective goal of humanity by having this ai i mean are we going towards still fighting with each other creating having the wars just like you know what we were doing before ai and before robots is there any change supposed to come by this artificial intelligence that we are about to have in a large amount that we are we going to go towards a collective intelligence for the benefit of the human society or are we still going to go through the same power and greed and all those goals that nations decision makers continue to have over the years to just have the power and supremacy that our nation needs to be the best and we need to control everything and we need to make sure that you know every other nation just do whatever we want them to do so what is the going to be the goal here that are we planning to advance as a society so we can take on bigger challenges to go to mars to go to you know other uh, uh, planets to con uh, explore our you know solar system or you know many other solar systems what is the goal here of this technology advancement well i think it depends on what area we all have an expertise some of us focus in space it would be great right to to go to the moon to go to mars it would be great to have robot con colonies on mars manufacturing and then just sending it back here and basically you know it, it, it would be maybe free to the world i mean of course these are science fiction concepts but but it depends on again what what aspect i mean you you mentioned uh, asimov's laws and what most of the public doesn't know is that he created a zeroth law and that zeroth law was meaning it was higher than the first law in, instead of that that a robot m must protect a human the zeroth law is a robot must protect all of humanity and that is his his primary of course today the three laws really don't apply perfectly well in in today's environment but at the same time it may be better than nothing or it may be a start but the zeroth law is very interesting because if it means that a robot may end up killing 50 people or preventing north korea or the world from having the whole world blown up then you know we humans have to make those decisions all the time there's no perfect scenario there's no black and white this is the real world is always gray and um, it's, it's interesting because I just read that U.S. Defense Secretary, um, this was just a few days ago, Ash Carter said that although the Pentagon has been very enthusiastic about developing autonomous weaponry, it will make sure the decision on when to pull the trigger is always made by a human. So that's a very reassuring statement. But, I mean, if you think again of AI or, or all of technology robotics as a tool, that was meant to benefit, even from a caveman starting fire. Well, some people don't use that tool very properly. A gun is a, is a very is another example. I mean, I mean, you know, I mean, I'm I don't want to give my personal opinions on guns, but you know, they're not always used. They're not always used uh, in, in a beneficial way, as we know. When someone again who doesn't have a strong HOS goes in and, and murders people with shooting. So, but but the problem is not the gun itself. It's the laws, and it's the laws that allow um, for us to have people who are not fit. So I, that's where I see it more than the technology itself is, is always designed to, to help us. Um, but it, 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 just like anything else, it's not. If I, have, if I have a robot in my home that's used to help me get from my bed to the bathroom, that uh, at $5 an hour versus $50 an hour can help me take care of myself. 
um, as much as in a way a human nurse would. Yeah, I would love to have a human nurse, but I'm not going to be able to afford that. So why not have a, a, a nursing robot that can take care of me? But if someone also decides to take that robot and steals from my next door neighbor, uh, you know, though those are inevitable based on humans, which which again gets back to educating the world, I think, on what it is not only for technology, but, but what it is to be human and what motivates us as a human and how can we improve our social and emotional intelligence. Yes, absolutely. I think that is the key, how to improve our social and emotional intelligence. I read somewhere that robots are only as responsible as the humans who build and use them. So this means that we must ensure that the future practice of robotics is for the benefit of mankind rather than for short-term gains or personal or corporate gains or, you know, uh, country gains. So we will have to ensure that the policies governing robotics must maintain ethical and societal standards of fairness and justice. And that is the key. So do you, how would we ensure that the policies governing robotics must maintain ethical and societal standards for fairness and justice? Because for that to, for us to, you know, be able to achieve that, we need to have ability to work together collectively. The reason I have come up with the NGIOA model is that nations, it's government, industries, organizations, and academia, they all have to work together hand in hand because government, industries, organizations, and academia, these are four com important components of a nation, of any country. And if they cannot work with each other, then how are we going to be able to work for the benefit and advancement of the you know human society in general? Well, these these are these are challenges, and you can only keep asking uh, and and trying to bring these to the attention of of the world. I may have to write you in as a presidential candidate <laughs> on the ballot, um, but you know we, we all tend to be humans tend to be in their own world, and and until we can increase that empathy and sympathy. I think humans, we just, we just default to our own basic needs and wants in our own basic life. And I think we are seeing that in a, in a presidential election, which appears to be surreal that, that uh, it, it's happening the way it's unfolded, but yet it, it is. So I, I don't, I don't have any good, good answers for you other than to um, continue to do what you're doing and to make the world aware and to keep asking the questions you're asking and to hope that more organizations such as your own and others that more people become um, members of these worldwide and we make it a worldwide focus but it, it's just it's just as you can see in the world it's just not it's just not happening uh, it's just it's just not so um, we, we have to keep our fingers crossed that the world hasn't, you know, blown up since, I mean, all these fears of technologies have come along, right? They're being used or not used or, I mean, this has been gone going for, for decades and decades, right? Since, since the forties or thirties. So this is nearly a hundred years coming up and, and yet, you, you deal with the negative that comes up when a 9-11 situation comes up and you use technology to help you through these situations with our evil or what other humans would deem is, is not, not, you know, really, really sick individuals out there in the world and, and injustice. And, and then, you know, we have to just keep moving forward in the best way possible. But again, I, I really believe that the core of this is, is human, sympathy and empathy and those are my i've only said those like maybe a hundred times during the interview but i think it's i think it's very very critical for yes. um for humanity and I'm, and I'm hoping that that technology allows us to experience more sympathy and empathy um, absolutely absolutely those are the key empathy and sympathy and it, it is necessary to talk about it hundred times probably thousand times million times whatever amount of times it's required to bring that you know awareness we have to keep doing that so i mean we do understand and acknowledge some of the big challenges that we talked about it during our dialogue but 
you have also been actively working in this field. You have been talking to many AI scientists. You have been going to conferences. You have been uh, also on the editorial board of some uh, journals. So what do you see? Where do you see the big concerns other than empathy and sympathy? And of course, the other points that we talked about, the structural challenges that we have. Well, um, fortunately, I've been able to work with some of the most brilliant roboticists and scientists in the world. And you can't be great. You can't be an IQ of 4,000 creating a new development and then understand that the American public responds to National Enquirer <laughs> reads that more. You, can, you just can't have that, both of those worlds. So I've been trying to, to, to bridge the gap between that, meaning that, that I think for engineers and developing scientists, I've tried to make them aware of, of how the public thinks and and acts which is far different than than their typically you know wonderful brilliant mind and a part of that is coming up with not just an invention or an innovation but coming up with a solution for technology a solution for say social robots for the elderly a solution for um so that my teenage daughter doesn't have to drive at 16 and a car can drive for her. So specific market uses and specific applications, which, which are for the benefit. Now, with that said, there's a whole area because so, so there's always the X percent, what I call that when you have something in mind and you create something, you can't control what the use might be. So the same technology that you might use for VR in order to be able as an educational tool to allow students to go to the Louvre, for example, or, or anywhere in the world and experience what's in front of them as if their senses were and their bodies were there the whole time is that same that would be allowed to use for, for say, sexual enjoyment or individual habits that aren't necessarily very ethical. So we, we can't always control those things, and that's inevitable, and we just have to figure out a way to, to, to come up with laws and impacts and just so – you know, again, it's the human user I worry about most of all than, than the technologies, which I think are, are, are really designed for, for the benefit and betterment of humanity. It's more the, it's more the user that, that hacks yes. that, and, and that comes from his environment. So our robot children will learn from us. That's basically how it's going to go. Yes, absolutely. And like, like you said, it's going to be a lot more complicated with with machine knowledge than just a programming of the Asimov's laws or any other laws. It's every every environment is going to be different, and there's always going to be challenge, and there's always going to be bugs, and there's always going to be failures, and we're always going to learn from it. And that's why we hope we can instead of having our robot fail and learn, maybe it can it can it can go to the cloud and get that experience already on how to serve me at my table without spilling coffee on me that's a very simple example but the real the real implications to me are how how it's used and while we're and, and even for us like how human i mean what is it to be human so if i have a prosthetic or an exoskeleton or i have a chip implant what what percent is going to be of me is still going to be human and i think that say future grandkids are going to say say to their parents you mean there was a time when marrying another human just because it was human was an issue <laughs> regardless of their gender or sexual orientation because because our world is going to be such that we interact with technology, robotics, AI, than we will face-to-face -face with other humans. I will spend more time with my robotic assistant all day long than I will with anything else, just like most of us are on a computer for X amount. And for most of us, it's the majority of our waking hours. But then again, there's another benefit. I'm hoping, it can, I'm hoping that same generation says, you mean you needed sleep to function? <laughs> Because <laughs> so we're changing what we are, and and I think at the at the core of it is is still to educate uh, children in particular as to how to communicate face to face, and 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 the overall values that society would deem appropriate, and the values to me are far more important than than the knowledge that one will acquire.
Yes, very true, very true. And like you said, just, uh, just said that uh, now humans are looking for solutions. They're not looking at just developing technology just like that. They're keeping an eye on what is necessary, what needs to be fixed, what solutions are required, what outcome is required. And a lot of scientists, a lot of good, you know, AI researchers or, you know, any other uh, field of researchers, they are looking at their eye, they are keeping their eyes on the solution that how do I bring that outcome that we require? And that's where the efforts is, which is really very welcoming. And same for users. They are no longer looking at, okay, these many products are available for this many category. What do I need? And what will be the best, you know, solution for that? And they are going after that. So that is all happening because of the increased education and awareness and information and that information and all that is available because of this internet that is free and that is freely available to everyone and that is creating the society that is informed and hopefully that's where we have to keep going forward that we provide more and more information and more and more education and awareness to make the society overall you know more empathetic more informative more you know emotional and more sensitive about ethical issues moral issues and about developing an ability that they acquire resources that can help them quickly adapt to the necessary changes that are required because of these technology advances so let's hope that you know we are all able to achieve because of all these necessary resources and necessary information that is to prepare ourselves for the coming changes. So thank you, Joanne, for participating in Risk Roundup today. We appreciate, we appreciate your thoughtful insight on societal impact of robots, robotics, AI, and machine intelligence. And our global viewers and listeners, I'm sure they're going to benefit tremendously from the understanding you help provide on the impact we all will face, not only just today, but also in the coming tomorrow. So even if a single individual or entity can come up with ideas to prepare themselves based on the understanding they receive from this discussion. <coughs> Sorry about that. You okay? Based on the understanding they receive from this discussion we had today, the Risk Roundup Dialogue has been of service and we thank you for that. So as artificial intelligence, robotics, and technological progress will likely redefine the meaning and nature of not only the human species, but humanity and human age, it is approaching rapidly to the center of a very fierce debate across nations. While the ability to create autonomous intelligent robots that, that has reached the category of artificial superintelligence with perception, cognition, and action able to coexist with humans can be viewed as the ultimate and most challenging goal of artificial intelligence it is important to understand its societal impact on not only individuals, but also entities across nations, its government industries, organizations, and academia, in short, referred to as NGIOA. Risk Group Cybersecurity Risk Research Center and Strategic Security Risk Research Center are created for this very reason, so that we can identify, evaluate, and manage the risk-facing NGIOA in CGS, that means nations, its government industries, organizations, and academia in cyberspace, geospace and space and we discuss debate and define necessary framework structure processes tools and technologies to manage the security risk of not only the digital global age but also the coming technological super conversions we at risk group believe that risk management security and peace walk together hand in hand though security is related to management of threats and peace to the management of conflict Risk management is related to management of security vulnerabilities as well as management of conflict. And it is not possible to conceive any one of the three without the existence of the other two. All three concepts feed into each other. We believe that the security we build for ourselves is precarious and uncertain until it is secure for everyone across nations. Tradition becomes our security. So if we build a culture of managing risk effectively, it will lead us to security and security will lead us to peace. Let's manage the existing and emerging risks together. For more information on the risk roundups, to watch the risk roundup videos or hear the risk roundup podcast, please go to riskgroupalacy.com and do not forget to subscribe and share. Until next time, I'm Jayashree Pandya, host of Risk Roundup, signing off. See you next time. Thank you.